Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. I think all of us at some level have values that drive us. Either we have them and we know very clearly what they are, and maybe we've got a little poster at home or a little plaque at home that defines our values. Okay, if that's you, God bless you, that's not me and my family. Um, you, you, might, you might really know them clearly. You may know that you have them, but you, you don't really memorialise them anyway. You just know that you have them. If someone asks you, what, what are the things you value in your family, you're able to articulate them. Maybe you know that you have them, and you can't quite articulate them, but you don't really care. You just know you have them and you know that they drive you to do what you do. Maybe you don't know that you have them. I'm here to tell you today that you do have them. You do have a set of values that drive you and shape your life and carry you forward into the things that you wanna see happen in your life and in the lives of those who are in your care. We all have values at some level. Whatever the case for you personally, we have them as a church corporately and as a community of faith. And we've articulated them in five value statements. If you want to know the five, you can grab a copy of the Who We Are uh, uh, life group studies or the, or the uh, booklet that tells you about Towards 100 Vision. They're really articulated clearly in there. And over this, over this five-week series that we're in week two of, we're unpacking the values that drive us as a church that, that we believe are going to carry us through to who God wants us to be by 2028. And if you want to know more about what we want, who we want to be in 2028, grab a copy of that dark blue booklet on your way out. The interesting thing about our value today is that as we've been praying over the last 18 months about the, the five values that we want to shape us, this one is a very, very, very slight adjustment to a statement from previously. In fact, it's so slight that there's one letter difference. There's one letter difference in the value. This is what the value used to be. We give with abundant generosity. That's what the value used to be. Now, as we put the value that it is now, see if you can spot the letter change. It's, it's small but profound. The new one is, we live with abundant generosity. Now, this seems like such a small change, but it is absolutely, hugely profound. It has massive implications, because what, what it takes this message from is that sort of obligatory, I don't feel so comfortable, you don't want to hear it, I don't want to talk about it, the giving sermon about how to, how to deal with your money and how you need to give for us to be all that we can be. It takes it from that to something that asks of you so much more. So much more. See, the problem with the tithe and the problem with the give in our day is that sometimes the way we think of it is 10% to God, 90% to me. So as long as I keep giving the 10% and, and based on what I can understand, particularly probably from the Old Testament, as long as I keep giving 10%, not only is God happy with that, but he's going to bless me and my 90% is going to get more and more. Here's the reality. 10% isn't enough. God wants 100%. God wants 100% and not just of your money, but of your, all of your resources. He wants people to follow him who will give everything in order to see the kingdom come, who will give everything to see Jesus' fame increase in the city in which they're placed. Now, this will seem like too big an ask. 
This will seem too offensive to you. This will seem like too much of a burden. This will increase your suspicion of the church when, and, and confirm for you that's all that we want. We, we're just motivated by money. This will seem all of those things to you if you don't understand how abundantly generous God is. If you don't understand that he didn't give us 10%. He gave us everything. He didn't hold back his own son in order to love us and to have us. God doesn't just pour out 10%. He pours it all out. And if you don't get that, you won't, you, you'll probably be offended right now. We, ser- we love and serve a God who is abundantly generous. Let's just, let's just break those two words down for a sec. Let's, let's think first about abundance. Here's, here's a definition of abundance for you. A very large quantity of something or having more than you need. Yeah, now, that's the definition of abundance. I, I don't think we have to think very hard to get a picture of abundance with the floods we've just had. Yeah, that, that's, that's more water than we need, right? I mean, we, we did pretty well out here in the Redlands. I think maybe a few flooded backyards, but you look at the, where, where all the rivers are, that's more water than we need, right? And more of that beautiful brown water that we call the Brisbane River. It's a picture of abundance. And what I want you to think of, though, in, in the way that we're using abundance and thinking about how God's abundance is to exchange the destruction of that abundance, like get that out of your mind for a second, think about flourishing. Think about how abundance causes flourishing. That's the abundance of God. Now that you've got a picture of abundance, let's think of this word generous. Well, here's, here's a definition of generous, showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. So it's not just giving what's you know, what, what's required, but actually giving more. And, and I see this, when, like last week we had Flavours of Beyond. Some, some beautiful cupcakes are on sale. And I love how many of you, when you go to the counter to buy a cupcake, you don't just give the $4.50 for the cupcake, you lay down a 20 or a 50 and you say, keep the change. That's, it might be small, but that's generous. That's generous, it's giving more than what's required, giving more than what's necessary. And at this point, I want to say I love how, how generous so many of you are with your time, to make, as Ben said before, to make Gateway happen. It's not just the staff, it's all of you that give so much of your time and your talent to make this happen. I think as recently as yesterday, we didn't advertise this very well, but this, this place was full of thousands of people. They had the YMCA food fiesta. Was anyone there? Stick your hand up. Yeah, there are a few people there. All, all the people who were helping out here were there. Um, but thousands of people here. There were a team of people to make the cafe run so that we could sell coffees to people um, who didn't need to be here. It's a Saturday afternoon into the evening. But that's a generosity of giving time, far more than what was expected, far more than what was necessary to make sure that we could serve coffees to people who were at the food fiesta. It was so, it was so funny because we're, we're here as a church and right there where we would usually serve sausages for a barbecue, there was a bar. Oh, it was just, it was hilarious. Anyway, whatever. Anyway, let's get back on track here. Abundant generosity. We live with abundant generosity because we serve and love a God who is abundantly generous. You take abundant and you apply it to the word generous or generosity, well, you're starting to tap into something supernatural. You're starting to tap in 
to God. You're starting to tap into something that's very unworldly. The really difficult task I have this morning with preaching this is that something we say every week. God is generous and we are a generous church because God is generous. So how to tell you that again in a sermon, that's a challenge. But I pray, I pray that you would know in your own experience of loving and serving God that he is exactly that. God is abundantly generous and he lives actually. He lives perpetually with abundant generosity. Let me give you a few Bible passages if you're still wondering. A few passages of scripture that describe, first of all, his abundance. Psalm 24, one to two. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. He owns everything. God has an abundance of resources. He owns everything. And if, if creating something, as this verse tells us, for he created, he founded it on the seas, if creating it means he owns it, well, he doesn't just own the earth, he owns the universe. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He has an abundance of planets. He has an abundance of stars. The whole universe he owns. From the stars in the sky to the animals who roam the earth. Your pet cat, your pet dog, the cattle, Everything, all the animals. Psalm 50 says, for every animal, this is God speaking, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. Maybe not cats, they don't really live in forests, do they? I'm I'm gonna say it, he he owns cats. God has an abundance. God has an abundance. He has, does this sound blasphemous? He has more than he needs. He has an abundance. But with that abundance, he is ridiculously Generous. He is abundantly generous. Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Overflow means more than I need. You don't just fill it up and go, right, not just 10%. It's not just 100%. It's overflowing. God is generous. Psalm 36, verses 7 and 8. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. Does that describe you today? Do you feast on the abundance of God's house? It's right there. 1 John 3, see what great love the Father has. This is my favorite word in all of Scripture. Lavished on us. Lavished is abundantly generous. He's lavished it on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And then Ephesians 1, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. There'd be a little bit more volume in that one, but that's okay. We're we're getting there. I just need an excuse to have a drink of water. You have every spiritual blessing. Why? Because God is abundantly generous. He's not stingy. He loves to pour into our cup that the cup might overflow. And who knows today that God lives with abundant generosity? Are you experiencing that? Here's the rub. Here's the rub for us who are living in this day. And I don't think this day is much different to any other day in the history of humanity. It's a day when... We love our abundance. 
And I would say it this way, we love abundance more than we love generosity. We love to have more than we need. We love to have more than is necessary. We just don't like to give more than is necessary. We sometimes don't like to sacrifice. Like when, when, you, when you move from giving out of our overflow into actually sacrificing, we, we tend to back away from that a bit because the cultural tide says, build up your own abundance. Don't, don't be too generous, but be generous with the spare. Make sure when you're generous with the spare that you take a selfie of you doing it so that you have a good experience and feel good for yourself. But don't be too generous, and particularly don't be generous to the point of sacrifice. And yet, we serve a God, and don't we love a God who is abundantly generous to the extreme point of sacrifice? Here's what I want you to know this morning from what what, what the passages we're gonna be looking at. We're getting there, (laughs) long introduction. Here's the reality. God has invested abundantly and generously in you. And he will expect a return on that investment. The the day will come when he will ask of you to give a return on the investment he has made in you. And as we will see, as we look at this passage, that investment was put there so that you could help establish the kingdom on earth. And he will ask an account of it. And Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would do your work in our hearts. You do your work in our minds today. We, we want to be more like you, Jesus. But we know, we know with, a, with a subject like this, with a theme like this, it, it can be hard because some of this stuff is confronting the idols of our hearts. And this, this might not be hard it might be actually start to be painful. But we welcome you here this morning and let us become more aware of your presence and more open to what it is you want to say to us this morning. So Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, Jesus is telling a parable. And he says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, and to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Let me just pause here and explain a bit, just to make it really clear what I think Jesus is going on about here. He's teaching about the kingdom of God, and he's, and he's marking the time between his departure and his return, his own departure and return. He was about to die on the cross, rise from the dead, and ascend into heaven. And that the time between then and when he will come back, which has been quite a long time, up to this point. That's what he's talking about in these parables that he's been teaching. And so what, what he's saying here is, is I, the master is giving to his servants an investment, and here it's, figuratively it's bags of gold, but when he comes back, there's going to be an account of what's, what's been given. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word. So the parable starts with the word again. And as I said, Jesus is in a series of five parables here. And he's teaching about the king, the king and the kingdom and this, this in-between time between when Jesus departs and when he will return. And there's five parables back to back. And the emphasis is on being ready for that moment. The emphasis is on being ready, but, but not in this idle readiness. Not in this guessing readiness. Oh, when's he going to come back? Is it now? Is it now? Is it now? How can I do the math to find out when he's going to come back? And that's where I'm going to put my effort into. No, this is a faithful readiness. This is an obedient readiness. This is a readiness where we're doing what he told us to do while we wait for him to come. This is a working readiness. This is an abundantly generous readiness. What is a talent? You know, this was the NIV, the modern NIV translation. It talks about bags of gold. That's actually probably a better interpretation of the Greek because a talent isn't what we use today. Like a talent isn't a gift that I've got as it is as it's used in scripture. A talent was a weight, like a weight to measure coins, to measure the value of coins. And a talent was the largest measure. Like think kilogram as it relates to grams and milligrams. The talent was the big measure. So the point is that this was a lot of money. Five bags of gold was a significant amount of money. So it was, it was cold, hard cash. In the, but but what, I, what, I, what I think Jesus is saying, what is figurative here, this is how I understand it. Jesus is talking about every single resource that he has put in your control. Everything that is in your hand. Everything that God has given you. Not just your money, but your time and your talent as well. Talent in the modern sense. Every resource that you have, every disposable bit of time, every disposable bit of money, all that stuff, think of that as your bag of gold. What's interesting is the master gives no instruction to the servants on how to use what they've been given. But there is an unstated expectation that they will use it. It's like there's this expectation that the servants know their master and therefore know what's expected. And he doesn't even have to tell them, at least two of them. I think there is a, a time, if I can just take a segue for a, a side note for a minute. There is a, there is a time to be thoughtful and prayerful about the specific gifts God has given you. And when we talk about gifts and talents, it's easy for our minds to go into the spiritual, like what are my spiritual gifts? I don't think about that with this. 
Just again, think about this as everything that you have, every resource that you've been given. I reckon if this parable was told today, I don't reckon we'd get very far before it took a sideline. I think we would tune out at the point at which we go, hang on a minute, why did one bloke get five, one bloke get two, and one bloke get one? That's not fair. That's not fair. You know, you know how these days, in, particularly in the age of social media, we, are so, we so fall easily into the comparison trap? And we go, that person has more than I have, so how can you expect the same of me with what, the, what that person gives? Because I haven't been given the same skills, I haven't been given the same amount of money, this isn't fair, all that sort of stuff. How can we expect everyone to get ahead if they've all been given different amounts? He has far more abundance than I do. The reality here and the reality, I think, in the kingdom of God is that different people are given different things. It's just the way that God has designed it. God, in his loving wisdom and kindness, gives in varying amounts to his people. And I want you to see how the first two servants don't fall into the comparison trap. There's a big difference between five and two when it comes to this weighty amount of God. There's a huge difference. And yet, the second servant doesn't go, hang on a minute, why didn't I get five? At least, at least four, two, really? The master just decided, five, two, one. And they, but neither of these first two servants fall in to the comparison trap because they knew, I think, that the comparison trap would prevent them from using what God, what the master had given them to use. I think these first two servants know their master well and they imitate him. They put what's been given to them to work straight away. They don't wait, they don't hang around, they get straight to it. Whereas the third servant, who I think from what his response is when the master comes back, he thinks he knows the master, he thinks he knows his heart, what what motivates him, all that sort of stuff, but actually the third servant was miles away, miles away from the heart of his master. And without knowing his motivation other than fear, this servant hides his investment away, not using it in the way that it was intended when it was given. And his description of the master when he returns, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter. This is a picture of a really shrewd and clever and savvy businessman who knows how to make a profit. This created, whereas for the first two servants it created joy, for the third servant it creates fear. And I just, again, pause on this. I don't think what Jesus is advocating here is the rich profiting over and above the poor. I think that's what's going on, this unequal thing going on. I think what he's illustrating is an important spiritual principle that what we have been given, we need to use for his glory and not compare and not react in fear. I mean, think about what the third servant must have been doing for the time that his master was away. If, if his first reaction, he took what the master had given him and he goes straight away and buries it, what's he doing while the master's away? At the very least, nothing. He's not doing a thing. You could start to speculate about what he might be doing, enjoying life, taking it easy, sitting at the bar next to the church, having a good time at the food fiesta, doing whatever he wanted. He's not doing anything with what the master gave him. It, it's just put to the side and he's living his best life in the meantime. 
Of course, when the master comes back, he's going to be aggravated. He's going to be angry with this servant because he didn't use his, what he was given for the purpose with which it was intended. There's this interesting phrase that's described when the master says, throw this servant out. It's this phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to think about, if you can think about something, where you missed out, where you were, you were, you were really hoping to do something and either because you didn't make it, uh, you weren't good enough to be on the team or you auditioned but you, it didn't come through or your job interview didn't come through or whatever or you missed something because of your own stupidity and you didn't put it in your diary like I do all the time. What's your reaction when you realise? I don't know about you, it's not always weeping, sometimes it is depending on what I've missed, but you just, you gnash your teeth. I missed out, I had my priorities in the wrong spot. I should have written that down or I should have, I should have made sure somehow that I didn't miss that opportunity, but I've missed it. I've missed it, it was right there in front of me and I missed it. That's weeping and gnashing of teeth that this third servant is experiencing. It was right there, he gave me a bag of gold and I completely missed the point. I went and buried it and hit it. And now it's too late. Now it's too late. I, I could have used it. I could have done something with it. But I didn't. And now I've missed it. And I'm weeping. And my teeth are grinding away from my gnashing on them. I'd hate. You know, we, we, we talk about longing to get to heaven and hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, how many times have we heard that? I just fear that the well done, good and faithful servant is going to be alongside a whole lot of missed opportunities. A whole lot of times when I had all this stuff that I could have invested, but I missed it. I had, I had, I had all this, this bag of gold or these talents or whatever it was, and I missed the opportunity. I wonder about, I wonder about you. Like right now, right now, if the master decided to return, how much weeping and gnashing of teeth would be going off you? Because you missed it. You missed it. I, I buried it or, or I used it for my own good. I used what the Father had given me. Everything that I have comes from God. All of my resources, all of my income, everything that I own comes from God. But I, but I was like the servant who hid it because I, I didn't use it in the way that it was intended to be used. The master, God, is expecting a return on his investment. And I wonder what sort of return you will present. As I let that question hang in the air, I think it's a great question, but I don't think it's a gospel question. That, that question, to leave it like that, is the sort of question that puts the onus on us. That, makes, that, that could put us in danger of walking out of here more determined to use what we've got for the glory of God. But the onus and the responsibility of that is squarely on our shoulders because I've just made you feel sufficiently guilty to go out and work harder to present something better to God. If we just take this parable in and of itself, we might be led to think that. But if you, if you think that way, you don't understand the whole rest of the New Testament and the whole rest of the gospel. No, this, this question, that question that's left hanging in the air is actually meant to stir the gospel question. And the gospel question is more something like this. If I don't live with abundant generosity, 
That's investing in others what God has invested in me. I wonder how much I know about what God has actually invested in me. You see, the the greatest expression, the greatest expression of the abundant generosity of God is captured in the most often quoted verse of the Bible, John 3.16. It's on the screen, but we don't need it on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the deposit. That's the investment that God has put in us. In his abundant generosity, that's what he has invested in us. That is the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning of the end. That's the investment. He loved you enough to die for you and forgive your sin and make it possible for you to have relationship with your creator. That passage goes on. There is more to John 3 than just verse 16. Verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There is no condemnation here today for you if you have not been using your bag of gold in a way that will be a return on the investment because Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to set you free because he loves you. That's the investment. That's the deposit. Jesus said himself, I come that they, I come that you may have life and life to the full, abundant life. To live, here it is, to live with abundant generosity is to know first the abundant generosity of your Father who loves you. And my challenge to you this morning, my question on the back of what I said before is, if you are fearful to give that account, if the Master returns now, maybe you have not known the love of the Father. Or maybe you've forgotten the love of the Father. And just reckon it would be brilliant to just pause in this moment and close our eyes and just to center ourselves once again on the love of God. The abundant generosity of God. Like, I, I have not given so abundantly and so generously that I have given my life for the ones I love. I'd like to think that I would. I'd like to think that I could. But I haven't. And yet here is God in his abundant generosity, motivated by his love, giving his very life for you. That, that is the gold that is in your bag. It's love. And love casts out fear. And so for the first two servants, their motivation is the love of their master. The third servant had fear because he didn't know the love of his master. May we, Holy Spirit, in this moment, just as we take a silent moment, a short moment in the context of our lives, just again to center ourselves on the abundantly generous love of our Father.
So our, our value as a church, one church across many locations, as we live with abundant generosity. We don't just, sorry, we live with abundant generosity because we love and serve a God who lives with abundant generosity. I want, I want to say that it's, this isn't something we switch on and off. We, we don't just serve with abundant generosity when we're wearing a gateway t-shirt or when we're signed up to do ministry here. We don't just minister with abundant generosity on Sunday mornings. We live. This is, this is a lifestyle. This is 100% of our time, talent, and treasure. We live with this abundant generosity. We seek to live that way because God never turns the tap off. God never stops being abundantly generous. This is our natural response as we start to understand and experience that from a heavenly father that we start to do that. We start to put a priority on not building up our treasures on earth, but using our treasures on earth to invest in the kingdom. Not to invest in things that wrath and must, moth and rust will destroy, but treasures in heaven where decay cannot touch it. And the posture of our hearts to build up that treasure in heaven is this abundant generosity. As important as this parable is, it is an intentionally incomplete picture of God as our master because he is not a money-hungry investor looking to get as much out of us as he can, squeezing us to get as much out of it as he can for himself. If we take this parable in isolation, we can start to think of God in that way, but that's not what he's like. It's an important parable, but that's not what he's like picture of abundant generosity. Actually, the, the, the best picture I have from Scripture of God's abundant generosity in his love for us is that the very hairs on your head are numbered. Don't, don't you think that's an abundantly generous use of God's time? That he took the time to number the hairs. Even if you're bald, he remembers how many hairs you once had. But that, that's the abundant generosity of God, that he takes time in his love, he's, he's loving over us. To know, I've, never, I've never sat there and counted the hairs of my kid's head, but God has of yours. God loves to show you his abundant generosity, and he loves to show it to others through you. I love this quote from uh, Henry and Richard Blackaby from Experiencing God. Today, our world does not need to see what we can do but people desperately need to witness what God can accomplish through us. As the abundant generosity of God, we experience it and it comes through us and it's shining into the lives of others that God is doing it. We're not doing it, God, we're not doing it for God. God is doing it with us and through us. And so we seek to live every waking moment with abundant generosity, every waking moment. So even as God, who never sleeps, is constantly, perpetually living with abundant generosity. And I want to say that it starts, but certainly doesn't finish here in the church. And when I say here, I don't mean the building, I mean here with these people. It starts here. It certainly doesn't finish here, but it starts here. Remembering the church is the people, not the building or the event or the ministry program or whatever, but we serve one another and we love one another with abundant generosity as Jesus loves us. I want to take a moment to embarrass someone, not with a heart to intentionally embarrass them, but to celebrate them. And that's Ross Gillum. Right there, up the second, second from the back. You just look very uncomfortable. But I want to say, when I thought about people who embody this value, I thought of a few people, but first into my mind was Ross Gillum and Kathy as well. We're going to hear more from you later, but I just want to focus on Ross for a minute. Ross serves in so many ways in our church. He leads a life group. He's on the welcome team, comes to the prayer meeting on a, on a Monday night just about every week. 
and now he's about to step in and lead men's ministry. There's a story I've heard. It was, a little, well, it was actually around the time I started, but I was still living in Toowoomba. Ross got off a plane at like 2 a.m. On, on a weekend when a men's camp was on. And at 6 a.m., he's at the camp cooking breakfast for everyone. So you, you get your head around that. His, his flight landed at 2 a.m. He's there at 6 a.m. to cook breakfast uh, for the men of our, of our campus. And I know just from knowing Ross and having got to know him over the last uh, six months or so, that Ross just isn't like this on Sunday. He's not just like this when he puts a blue welcome shirt on. He's like this all the time with his family, in his workplace, in his neighbourhood. There's no different. There's not a different Ross that you see on Sunday to what you see Monday to Saturday. I just want to say, Ross, we appreciate you, brother. And can we just show our appreciation for Ross? And I want to be careful, even though I've embarrassed him and, and, and put the spotlight on him, there are many more like Ross in our campus. And I'm so thankful for you. And I mean that like, I don't, want to, I don't want to rag on other churches, but there is something here at Gateway Redlands, this, this value of serving one another. It's in abundance. I was overwhelmed with how many people are willing to serve in this campus. We saw it before with those who are leading life groups. Doesn't finish here, but it starts here. We live with abundant generosity all the time, but, but let, let it start here. And I want, I want to give a really super practical response today. I want to invite you into a very super practical response. I've been saying it for the last few weeks. To be the campus that God wants us to be, we need you to do what God intended for you to do. If you sit on the sidelines, we won't be all that we can be. Now, I don't know. I don't want to pressure anyone because I don't know you well enough to know what God intended for you to do. But I do know that if you don't serve in the way that God intended you to serve, remember, some get five, some get two, whatever. I know that some are really busy with work. I know that shift work makes things really hard. But I still believe that there is something, if you call this campus home, there is something that God has invested in you that he wants you to serve all of us with, right? If you don't do that, we won't be all that we can be. That's just the reality. And like I said, I have been and continue to be so inspired by the servant heart in this campus that people have said, yes, I will do that. I love that we have overflowing teams. There's 14 youth leaders here on a Friday night. It's fantastic. I love that kids ministry is happening right now with full teams. I love the welcome teams. So we need to get you guys new blue shirts. You're still in the aqua. We need to make sure we get the new blue shirts on you. See Brett afterwards, he'll hook you up. Uh, but the welcome teams are full and, and it's beautiful. It's brilliant to see. We have a cafe that hums making delicious coffee week in, week out. We have passionate Gateway Beyond representatives. I'm so thankful for all of this. I'm thankful for all who serve. But we're not complete. We're not complete until you who are currently not serving take up the mantle. So I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Please know that. But until we all take up our, ser our serving role, we won't be all that we can be. There's a few ministry areas I'd like to highlight it's 25 past 10. I know we're going a bit later than normal, but I really want to get through this. There are a few ministry areas where we have need, and I wanted to feature some this morning so that this might be a moment where God would start to tap. So I've, I've put this in you. I've invested this in you. Now, here's your opportunity to use this investment to see my kingdom grow more and more. So can I get um, Jenny Taylor up here? And can I also get Kathy Gillum? And can I also get Ben Islin? Can I get you three guys up here? Let's give them another round of applause. Clap until they're on the stage. Clap until they're on the stage. Keep clapping, keep clapping. Very good. It's so funny watching people come up on the stage because it's like they all, they all sort of move back. Like, yeah, I'm on the stage, but I don't want to be, yeah, step forward. Take two giant steps forward. 
There we go. Ben, you've got no problem, mate. You love being up here. Anyway, these guys represent some ministries uh, where, where, where we're in need. And, uh, well, how good was it, Kathy? I know it's, it's really uh, in your heart to see six life groups uh, start this year. That's fantastic. But we, we, there, is, there is actually a life stage that Kathy and I are still praying for, and that's sort of new families, uh, parents of newborn kids, that sort of life stage that uh, many of us have been through. We'd love to see a group form around that life stage. So if that's a group that you'd love to be a part of or that you're thinking you'd, ha- be, you'd happily host, or even if you might lead that group, that's a need that we have. And so if that's you, see Kathy afterwards. Um, the re- the re- uh, counselling centre, uh, at the moment we are in need of some receptionists. Um, so we run a counselling centre every second Monday and uh, every Thursday, and we'd love some more receptionists. If you love people and you love to welcome people and make them feel loved, and it's not just a, a simple receptionist job, it's smiling as they come in. Um, and, and making them feel it, because people come to counselling sessions a bit anxious sometimes. And Jenny does this so well. Uh, but we, ne- we need some more troops in the counselling centre. So if that's you, you get a nice red T-shirt. Not every ministry area gets a T-shirt. Sorry about that. But it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, get a, you don't get a T-shirt if you're a life group leader. But as uh, the, the care team, you get a red shirt. Um, and there's some, other, there's some other areas of care as well that, where we need some help. But for now, we're just featuring that receptionist role. So if, if you're able to give some time to that, Jenny's the one to see. And then we need, we need more. This is really cheesy, but I, but I think this is right. We need more warriors for our worship team. You remember last week, Jehoshaphat, they sent the worship team out in front. There is something really important for the people of God to be worshipers. And I know it's something, we, you know, we, we, we kind of, we, we rock up late, we go, oh, it doesn't matter. We just miss the singing. That's all right. I'd love to see us just grow as worshipers of God. Now, music is a way to express that. It's not the only way, but it is a great way to do it all together. And we need more warriors for the team. You know, we'll go from one week to the next where we'll have a full team up here. And then the next, next week, it's like Ben and a couple of mates, uh, which is great. We, we love the team that we currently have and we love their faithful service. But if you're a musician and you're sitting there right now and you can play an instrument or you can sing beautifully, we will find you. We will. We're praying about you and we will find you and we will tap you on the shoulder. So make it easy for us by letting us know who you are first. And if you would like to be a part, we've got people planted all through the campus listening to you sing on a Sunday morning. That's why I've never been invited up here to sing. But we need you. We need you. We need you. And so see Ben about that. But I I want to get these guys up here so you've got a face uh, to the ministry. So if you want, when we had all the Life Group leaders up here before, a really good, easy port of call. One face to remember is Kathy. She knows all the Life Groups that are happening. If you want to join a Life Group and you'd rather talk to someone than fill out a form online, Kathy's the one to see. If you want to help out with the reception or know more about our care ministry, can, sorry, counselling centre reception or know more about our care ministry, see Jen. And if you're a worshipper, worship warrior, super cheesy, but that's the best word for it. See Ben. And again, let's just thank these guys for the awesome job they do leading those ministry areas. Thank you. So here's, here's the super practical response right now. There, there are QR codes all over the place in chairs in front of me, and I, I'm assuming that most of you have a smartphone in your pocket or in your bag or something. The response this morning is simply to pull your phone out and click on that QR code and follow the link. What you're going to see is, is this when you get, on, when you get online. There's, a, there's going to be a form that it takes you to. I don't know how much you can see of that, but obviously it asks you for what campus you're a part of. Click Redlands. That's easy. But then you've got all these options here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight options. And so what what we've talked about this morning, so for example, oh, sorry, I meant to mention as well. Sorry, I've got to come back on this. Alpha. We need a team for Alpha. 
We're running Alpha in Term 2, such a brilliant program to help people discover and understand the gospel. This is a, this is a, 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 we have a meal together and then there's some great teaching helping people who are exploring faith, people who might not yet know Jesus, come to know him. And we'd love to form an Alpha team. So someone to facilitate Alpha, someone, people to be table hosts, to have discussions with people, a catering team to make sure that the, the place is set up really nicely and that there is... A, great food to be shared and all that sort of thing. So if you want to join the Alpha team, oh, look at that. Good on you guys. Go back to the form now. Thanks, uh, thanks, Braden. You click on Alpha, Discipleship Alpha. Click on that. If you uh, want to join uh, the worship teams up the top, creative, musicians, singers, sound, lighting and media, you can click on that. There's some on here that uh, are part of our Gateway family but aren't directly related to our campus. So if you look at the second from the bottom, Gateway Online, if you've got a technical bent, if you've got a production bent, or IT skills, or if you want to be an online host, click on that. But then, really importantly, any other questions? That's not just for questions, that's also for comments, to be more specific. So if you'd like to join, like if you click discipleship and then you say, I'd love to be on the Alpha Catering team, write that where it says any other questions, Alpha Catering team, okay? The way you get to this form is by clicking on the QR code in front of you and clicking at the top, Team Gateway. Team Gateway, if you click on that, it'll take you through to this form. And I want to give you a moment to do that. But before we do, this is really important. This is really important. I absolutely do not want to obligate anyone into serving. If you just are responding in the moment going, oh, I feel sufficiently guilty, I need to sign up to make myself feel better, you won't last very long in the ministry you sign up for, and we do not want that. I don't want you to serve in something that you're going to throw away in a few weeks' time because it's actually too much. I do not want to obligate you. I don't want, even want to appear like I'm manipulating you into doing something that God is not calling you to do. Absolutely do not want that. What I would love for us to do again in this moment is to check our motivation and to make sure that our motivation to serve is coming from that place of knowing the abundantly generous love of God and wanting to serve brothers and sisters in Christ in this campus. And from here, from here in serving each other, that we would go into our workplaces, that we'd go into our schools, into our neighbourhoods with this heart, this abundantly generous heart to continue serving the people God's placed us amongst. We're going to sing a classic song. Who remembers, This Is My Desire? Lord, I give you my heart. It's a classic song. I love this song. But it's a great song that I think perfectly captures the moment that I'm praying God will give us right now. That He will be working, the Holy Spirit will be working in our hearts, that He would be the one leading us into serving, using what He has invested in us for the benefit of others, starting with each other here in this campus. So Matt, Matt, Matt and the team is going to lead us in this song. And afterwards is going to be the moment when, when if you don't, as long as you don't feel obligated or manipulated, to click on that QR code and I'm going to give you a moment to fill that form out. But let's, uh, why don't you stay seated, but sing this song and use it to check your motivation, use it to bring your heart in alignment with God, to be aware of His presence, praying that He would be moving right now. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.